Now, if you were here with us last week or if you uh, joined us on the live stream, uh, you're going to recall that we spent some time together in the wilderness. Who remembers the wilderness? Is anybody still in the wilderness? It's okay to be in the wilderness. It's, it's hard, but it's a beautiful thing, and we're going to get to that. So uh, while we've been in the wilderness last week, we were learning that our loving Father in heaven, uh, he uses this experience right, uh, to, to strip all of the extraneous things away from us that distract us from him. In fact, uh, the word we looked at uh, last week was that he actually, he lures us or entices us. Uh, Some translations use the word woo. He literally woos us into the wilderness for the very purpose of speaking tenderly to our hearts. Right? His, His heart, his desire is to win us back to himself. And, it, and in that process, he begins to uh, tear down the idols that we have uh, often unknowingly raised up in our lives, right? These things that we're not even really aware that we did it, but they are consuming our time and our focus and our energy, when it really belongs to him. And he does this because, yes, he's a loving God, but he is a jealous God. He's a jealous husband, is what he calls himself. We, we really don't think of him in that way very often, but he is our husband, and he's jealous of our time and our focus and our attention. The passage that we looked at last week in Hosea, Uh, chapter 2 tells us that he intentionally leads us there because he wants us to understand that, that he is our life. Our life is in him. Our breath is in him. Our, Our every fiber of our being. Our very existence is at, is at his loving command. And in the midst of that wilderness experience, our father, our husband, our creator, he slowly, lovingly strips us bare of our presumptions and our upside-down perspectives. Because it's so subtle, but we begin to, to, to believe the lies that people speak into us, that we tell ourselves that the world is constantly speaking into us. The world's realities that we accept blindly is truth. But they don't line up with God's truth. They're not His realities. And He needs us to to find a way to, to let go of that and begin to realize and remember who he is and just as importantly who we are in him 
Because his ways are so much higher than our ways. His thoughts are above our thoughts. We can't even really comprehend what, what he sees, what he knows. We took a look at Yeshua's own personal experiences, 40 days and nights fasting in the wilderness. And that experience. Uh, and, w- and in the process, we discover that this is really a work of grace. Grace that, that goes before us, that, that is proactive. It's, it's poised to, to birth something new in our lives. It's always at work. But it's, it's loving and it's compassionate and it's gentle. And in that, in that moment, as we're led by the Ruach HaKodesh, by the Holy Spirit, we voluntarily choose to enter into the wilderness. We voluntarily begin to fast and pray. Because like we talked about last night, we're, our, we're going into the wilderness whether we want to or not. Because God is a jealous God and He is going to have His way in our lives and either we're going to go kicking and screaming or we're going to go willingly. I can tell you which one is more painful from a lot of personal experience. But, but I've learned to go willingly because it's it's a much better experience. It's a much better experience. And when we go voluntarily, it's so much easier to just open up ourselves to the work of the Holy Spirit. And the Ruch begins to go deep in our lives and, and we get exposed and, and vulnerable, which can be kind of scary. But it's really not so scary when you're so completely surrounded in His love. And, and, and the Lord begins to take our masks off and our, our false pretenses. And we're able to get really real and honest and transparent with ourselves and with God. So that was last week. So who's ready to keep going? Are we ready? I got one amen. All right. So last week, as we continue moving forward in these 40 days, I'd ask all of you, how, how are we doing with our 40-day fast? Are we doing good? All right. We got a, a couple over there. <laughs> all right. I, it can be a struggle. Right? We slip up, we fall, it's okay, we keep going. Right? But as we're moving together in this 40-day uh, period of fasting and prayer, it's important to know that we are not done in the wilderness. We're not done. God is not done with us. Right? We've, we've hopefully gained a proper perspective. We have uh, begun to remember our first love. We have begun to recognize that, that God is our husband and, and our life is entirely in his hands. 
In fact, it's entirely at his command. And when we get to that place, then, then we get to go to the next step. So what is the next step? Slaying the giants. Slaying the giants. Because the fact of the matter is, is whether you realize it or not, there are giants in your land. There are giants in your land. So let's take a look at what happened when our ancestors ran into some giants in their land. If you have your scriptures with with you, turn with me. It's also on the screen uh, to the book of Numbers, chapter 13, beginning in verse 31. Before we get started, this is a famous passage. Most of you, hopefully all of you, are familiar with it. Because Moses has sent out the 12 spies into the land, right? Most of us are familiar with this story, right? And they, they do their thing, and they scout out the land, and they come back with a report. So beginning in verse 31, it says, But the men who had gone up with him said, We cannot attack these people because they are stronger than we. They spread among B'nai Israel, the the sons of Israel, a bad report about the land that they had explored, saying, the land through which we passed to explore devours its residents. All the people we saw there are men of great size, and we also saw the Nephilim. The sons of Anak are from a Nephilim. So who knows what that is, right? The Nephilim are the fallen ones, right? And the Anakim, right? are the giants, descendants of the Nephilim. Okay. We seemed like grasshoppers in our eyes as well as theirs. So, giants in the land. Now, if you continue reading this story, you're going to discover two really important things. This event happened very, very shortly, right after the Sinai event. Right? The the Sinai event, right? This whole volcanic-like God's glory descending on the mountain, calls Moses up, right? Gives the law, like this huge, memorable thing, right? Unprecedented. And when that is done... They're supposed to journey and cross over into the Jordan and take the land, right? Like, bada-bing, bada-boom, right? 11 days. Like, that's what it should have been, right? So, but instead, they send the, the spies, they come back with this negative, terrible report. And it is this event, this report, that was the cause of the 40-year camp out in the wilderness. Think about that. One bad report. And now I'm trapped on a nightmarish camp out that lasts for 40 years. However, don't you love that word, however? Right? However, when, when God, or when the people heard 
that God was angry with them for their, their disbelief and for their rebellion and that he was punishing them with this 40-year camp out in the wilderness, they flipped out, right? Like last night we talked about as a parent, right, you tell your kids, clean your room. And they don't clean their room. So you, you go to punish them, right? Now there's a punishment because they were disobedient. They didn't do what you told them to do. And what do they do? They flip out. They race to their room. And like magic, they clean their room. Right? It's probably all in the closet. But their room is clean. <laughs> right? And they don't want to get punished. But the punishment has been set. So the room is clean, they did the work, but they, they still got the punishment, right? So what do the people do, right? That's exactly what they do. They decide, you know what? We don't want this punishment. It's terrible. God, we're sorry. So they get everything together and they, they want to do what they're going to do in the first, what they were supposed to do in the first place. Get ready for battle, Call everybody to arms. We're going in. Despite the fact that God told Moses, and Moses told the people, don't do it. It's, it's too late. What's done is done. I'm not going to fight for you. Wow. But did they listen? No. They went in anyway, full charge, headlong, and, well, they were soundly defeated. We'll put it nicely. And they had to turn tail and, and, and had to run. They were pushed back out of their promised land. They couldn't take it. And the real tragedy is the devastating loss of life that could have and should have been avoided. So the whole point of this part of the story is if, if you are trying to defeat the giants on your own, in your own will, in your own strength, and God is not fighting for you, you're going to lose. You're going to lose. And, and there is going to be devastating consequences. You're going to get hurt. The people around you are going to get hurt. It's a fact. The spies' negative report showed the Lord that the people were not ready. They weren't ready for the next step. And that's when the wilderness experience began. That's really the whole point of the wilderness experience is to begin to do a work in you to change whatever needs to be changed because you are not ready for the next step. We want to be. But there's something inside that we're not ready for. It keeps us from being able to, to walk into God's plan. But 40 years? Really? Like, you know, you ground your kid for a week. 
right? 40 years. You know, I'm 44. You know, that's like my whole life, 40 years, right? I think some of you are like, you know, not even quite 40 years old. For some of you, 40 years is a a lifetime ago already. Or so far in the future, you think that 40 years old is ancient. 40 years. Here's the good news. It's never a wasted 40 years. God always works everything out together for good. That's his promise. And if he's leading you into a wilderness experience, it's with intention, and his intentions are always for us, never against us. And we need to remember that. Turn with me briefly to Deuteronomy chapter 2. Uh, verse 2, it says, And Adonai spoke to me, this is Moses, Adonai spoke to me saying, You have gone around this hill country, some translations say mountain, but you have gone around this hill country long enough, turn to the north. Alright, so the first thing I want to point out about this scripture is, it is God and God alone who gets to decide when and how you're going to move in the middle of your wilderness experience. And it is God and God alone that determines when you're ready to step out of that wilderness experience and into the next. But when he decides, when he decides... He will give you a clear direction. Clear direction. Not something vague. Not a maybe or an if. You're going to know. You're going to know that you know that you know that you know. Turn this way. Turn that way. Whatever it looks like. But you're going to know. The... the, uh, Spiritual headships in your life, your, your mentors and, and your accountability partners and the people that, that are, are raising you up in discipleship, whatever it is, the people that you've put yourself under, they're going to be able to confirm it and affirm it. So you're not just wandering aimlessly, right? You're going to know. And suddenly... This holding pattern that you have felt trapped in for what seems like forever is going to lift. It's going to lift. And the circumstances in your life are suddenly going to shift, often very subtly and dramatically. And it's going to be like, wow. There has been a change in the force. Right? It's the winds of change blow and, and you're just like this release happens. Now the bulk of this entire passage 
It, it is all laid out in, in Deuteronomy chapter 2 and chapter 3. It's a very long passage. So I encourage you, because we're not going to read it today, but I'm going to encourage you, challenge you, to read it for yourself. I like to read scripture, so I know that you guys actually are reading it and seeing it and listening to it. When I'm challenging you to, to go read it for yourself, though, the vast majority of you never will. So I'm laying on a little extra Jewish guilt so that you actually will. It's important for you to read this. But it's summed up like this. God directs his people, go here, but not there. Right? Head this way, but avoid those places. Maintain peace with these people, but head to this region and wipe out every living being and creature in the entire kingdom. What? Every living thing. Every living thing. If it breathes, kill it. You've got to be kidding me. Nope. That doesn't sound like our loving Gracious God, does it? How could that possibly be? Well, there is a reason. But the first thing you need to know, right, 38 years into the wilderness, for the first time, the people actually listen and obey. It took 38 years, but they got it. So that's what they do. And God gives them the victory. Just hands it to them like a a piece of cake. So easy. When you read this passage, because you're all going to read the passage, right? You're going to discover that these are not random kingdoms full of random people. But they were lands inhabited by giants. Wow. It took 38 years, but God gave them the victory over the giants. What I want you to understand from this is is that during your own personal wilderness experience, God wants to destroy some giants in your lives. He wants you to to destroy the giants in your lives. I don't know how long your wilderness experience is going to take. Mine was way too long. And I've had to go back many, many times. For some of you, it's going to be longer. For some of you, it's going to be shorter. There might be somebody here going, Rabbi Dale, I have been in the wilderness so freaking long, I don't even know what to do with myself. I'm going to die in the wilderness. For some of you, it might have just begun with this 40-day fast. But be encouraged because it's not pointless. There's a purpose. There's an, uh, an intentionality about it. And, and it, it does not last forever. It doesn't last forever. 
our God is a jealous husband and he wants to clear the land of giants in your lives because he wants to set you free so that you are free to be completely his and his alone. That's the point. So giants. What do giants look like? Right? Last night we talked about the WWF wrestler that we remember from the 80s, Andre the Giant, this big, huge, hulking. Some of you remember this, right? The young ones, young people are too young for that. But what do giants look like? Well, giants are areas in our faith walk that we are unable, seemingly unable, to overcome. Right? Areas in our faith walk that we're seemingly unable to overcome. Now, I am not talking about one-off sins where we slip up, right? stubber toe, something comes out of our mouth that shouldn't, and sorry, Lord. Right? No, I'm talking about areas of sin in our lives that, that have us trapped in some type of bondage. Sin that that prevents us from being who God called us to be. Or becoming what God called us to be. Sin that prevents us from being able to move forward and take a step into the calling that he has on our lives. Sin that prevents us from being able to take hold of that which God has called us to take hold of. Now, for some of us, it's the sins that we do in secret. Maybe addictions that we have in our lives. But for others of us, though, it, it might be more deeply rooted than that. It's very easy for us to see all of the superficial sins but many of those superficial things are actually the, the fruit of something much more deeply rooted inside. Things like, like fear, doubt, lack of faith. Maybe you always have this critical need to be constantly in control of everything and everybody around you. Perhaps it's anger and negativity and and this general lack of compassion and patience and mercy, grace. Or maybe it's maybe it's greed, this this love of material things, accomplishments and achievements, and doing, doing, doing. Or maybe you're just stingy and you don't have an open, generous hand to others. Uh, You know, the list can go on for almost forever, but you get the idea. All of these types of things in our lives are recognizable giants that God wants to destroy in our lives. 
He wants to destroy them so that he can faithfully bring you into the promised land, into your inheritance. He has a future for you. He has a role in his mind that he created you for, for his kingdom plan. Because he made you with intentionality. And the last thing that he wants is for the enemy to be able to prevent you and keep you from being and doing the very things that God created you for. As I mentioned earlier, for me, there have been a number of giants in my lives that in my life that, that God has had to, to overcome. Now, my wife and I, we've been married for 23 years, and she can attest that sometimes it has been painful. Painful. Because I didn't go willingly. I was the guy that was going kicking and screaming, being drugged into the wilderness. Because I didn't understand that it was for my benefit. I didn't understand that it was having consequences on my marriage and on my family. And if I would have been willing to just let go and surrender, it would have been a whole different situation. Now, my most recent wilderness experience, we're going to get kind of transparent, a little real here, right, has been dealing with fear. The giant in my life that God has been working very diligently about uh, overcoming in my most recent wilderness experience is fear. Fear of, of failure, Feel, fear of, of not being enough, not having enough, fear of rejection, fear of all kinds of things, fear of lack or loss. It is absolutely mind-boggling how much the devil uses fear, how much the enemy uses fear to paralyze us you know, in the Word of God, do not fear, or something very similar to that, appears 365 times. One for every day of the whole year. Now, if God will go out of His way to make that show up in His Word 365 times, that should be a really good indicator that that is a major tool of the enemy. That is a big giant. But God wants to destroy it in your life. But here's the real deal. Giants are not slain in our own will, in our own strength. Even if we fill our head with 365 verses, and we go in front of that giant with 365 stones for our proverbial sling, if we're doing it in our own will, in our own strength, 
Because the verses are here and they're not here, you're going to get your butt kicked. Because there's no power in just head knowledge. It needs to be here. Deep inside, it has to be part of you. You have to know it. You have to believe it. We conquer our giants. Our giants are slain when we come to a place of total surrender. When we find ourselves in a place where we are completely broken before our loving God, our husband, and we cry out to him and say, God, I can't do this on my own. I've been going around this mountain for 40 years. I can't do it anymore. And then God goes, oh, you're finally getting it. And he begins to roll up his sleeves. And he gets to work. And he goes, I got this. That's when you find victory. It's the only place you're ever going to find victory. And he does it because he loves us. We are his cherished bride. And he wants you to be completely free so that you can be completely his. With nobody else in the room. Right? Nobody else in the room. Only him and you. And in this process, because many of us have to, like myself, go back to the wilderness multiple times, right? But in this process, our faith becomes a little stronger. And we do something very Jewish, right? We're able to move forward by first looking backwards, right? Because when we look backwards, we see all these milestones of where God has been faithful and he has shown up in our lives in a mighty way. And, we, and we're able to take that next step moving forward because we're able to remember how God showed up in, in this way and in that moment. And it strengthens us. It gives us courage in the face of giants. So as, as a body, as we continue in this time of fasting and prayer, and we're leading up to and preparing for the high holy days, I, I want to challenge you if you have not done it, it's time to get before the Lord. Like, in a really, really real way. Where we just let it all go. 
pull it all off, all the pretenses, all the masks, all the whatever it is that's in the way, and get vulnerable with God. Where we get honest with ourselves because, believe me, He already knows. So there's no, there's no point in hiding it. Is we're just deceiving ourselves. Come to a place of complete surrender. Allow yourself to become broken so that the Ruach can begin to move in grace. I'm going to ask the praise and worship team to to come back up, and we're going to do something today that that we haven't done in this congregation in a long time. And and we're going to open up some time for personal prayer and ministry. Now, I understand there's going to be some of you there, you're like, I just want this to be between me and God, and, and you're comfortable in your seat, and that's fine. And if you even want to come up here, and it's just between you and God, that's fine. But uh, th- I'm going to ask a few of us, right, to be available to pray with you, if you want it, right? So... Um, are you able to do it today, Air, or not yet? You're still holding off? Okay. Well, I'm going to ask Jackie, my mother-in-law, to be available. And uh, Ron, is Ron in the house? Okay, Ron and his wife, Nancy. And, and yes, Billy and Wendy would be great, right? If they're willing and able. All right, awesome. So whether you're on the back walls or the side or one or two of you up here, that's great. I'm going to be available. I just, I want the, I want to open this up. Because this is an opportunity to engage with what, what, what God is doing in your hearts. Because it's time to, it's time to destroy the giants in your land. Whatever it is that's, that's keeping you down, that's holding you back, God wants to see you get victory. He wants to give you the victory. So I'm going to, again, I'm going to encourage you, whether in your seats or, or with somebody, call them out by name. Identify that. Whatever it is, stop hiding it identify it, call it out by name, and put a target on its back. And we're going to close with that and, um, and just move into a time of worship and prayer and ministry. You're going to come. Okay. Thank you for that. All right. Heavenly Father, I just want to uh, just bless you. And we just ask, Father, that you would begin to, to move in a gentle but mighty way in this service tonight. And just move in the hearts of your people because 
we know that your heart is for them and not against them. We know that you're a jealous God and you want to remove every obstacle and every barrier that stands between us and you. And ask, Father, that that you would just begin to touch each and every person here today and shine a spotlight on on the areas that, that you want to address. Because this needs to be led by you. We're we're putting you in charge. And we're giving you permission to move in our lives. We're surrendering, surrendering ourselves and submitting ourselves to you. To you. We thank you, Father, in Yeshua's name. Amen.